All right, let's put our hands together, all the people that love life, love eternal life, love abundant life, the kind of life that Christ promises to us, and it's free and it's on tap. It's in the house, and you can receive that life today. If you are new to the fellowship, let me just reemphasize something that Tommy just talked about. Uh, the growth track classes will help to connect you in a deeper way to the fellowship. Last month, we had many new people, but we also had some people that had been here for a long time, and they said it was so beneficial to go through growth track, and so Tommy told you how to do it. Text CLASS. We'll send you the information. Text CLASS to our text number, 941-260-1321, and we'd love you to be a part of next week's class. I teach next week and love to see you and uh, experience the uh, growth that comes in those seminars. Today we are continuing our series in the book of James, studying the inspired letter that the brother, half-brother of Jesus, James, wrote, remembering that James really didn't follow Jesus while he was ministering on the earth. It wasn't until he encountered the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, that he became a follower of Christ, and he became a leader in the church in Jerusalem. And I bring you greetings from the holy city, Jerusalem. We were there last weekend, and we had a wonderful trip. The only thing that would have made it better is if you were on it. So next time, join us in the Holy Land. It is uh, stimulating in your mind and challenging to your soul. So it was great. So James writes from Jerusalem, and he writes a very practical book. If you are a rubber-on-the-road kind of person, this is your kind of book. And it speaks to us about a practical faith, a faith that works. And today we're talking about something you do every single day. You talk. You talk. We're going to talk about taming your tongue. We're going to talk about watching your words, being aware of what comes out of your mouth. The average person speaks one-fifth of their life they're talking. The average person produces every day 50 pages of material. Imagine if we could read the 50 pages of yesterday, your 50 pages, or the 50 pages of the day before, or this last. What if we got the whole set, a whole week of your words, and we could read it over? Are there any sections you would go, oh, I don't want you to be reading there. Let's skip that chapter. I wasn't watching my words. I wasn't aware of what I was saying, and I sure didn't know it would be publicized. James tells us that our tongue is important. We know physically it's important. If you go for a physical, for sure, sometime during the physical, the doctor's going to say to you, you've heard it, if you've gone for a physical, stick out your tongue. It's an indicator of health, and, and he'll look at your tongue, he'll look at your throat, and if your tongue is a nice pink color, that's an indication there's still good health. And If it's red and inflamed, it's a sign of infection. If it's got white spots on it, that's not good. Could be a fungus, could be thrush in your mouth. If, if it's too smooth, you could be deficient on nutrients, folic acid and B12. 
If it's splitting, you could have a lack of saliva in your mouth. It talks a lot about your, your physical health, but your tongue also reveals your spiritual health. Jesus says these words to us as he speaks to us in Matthew chapter 12, that what's on the inside is revealed by what comes out of the mouth. Let's read this verse out loud, good strong voice, everyone together. Are you ready? Let's read. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's on the inside comes Try it again. What's on the inside comes? That's what he's saying. And James, because he is so practical in his letter, saying that if your faith is really living faith, if it's not dead faith, it's going to be active, an active faith. In fact, your faith is how you act based on what you believe as it's controlled by the Holy Spirit. That's what faith is. You can call that the ABCs of faith. It's how you act based on what you believe as it's controlled by the Holy Spirit. So the faith is very practical, and what you talk about is on James' mind. What you talk about is a very important part of your faith life. In fact, when we studied chapter 1, which was a couple of weeks ago, he introduces the subject about our language, our words, and he says if you feel you're religious, if you feel like you're a spiritual person, if you feel like you're a follower of God's way, and you don't bridle your tongue, then really your belief system, your religious belief system, your spiritual life, strong word he uses, it's worthless. So he introduces it in chapter 1 and then picks up the topic in chapter 3. So if you have your Bible, open up. If you've got paper technology, open it up. If you've got electronic technology, open it up. God's Word is what changes us. It's what we base all of our talks on, not Scott's Word, God's Word. And it's inspired by God as James introduces the vitally important subject of watching our words and allowing God's Holy Spirit to tame our tongue. Why is that important? Well, it's important because your words create an influence over the people you speak to. In the first verse of chapter 3, James talks about being a teacher. And he warns us, well, don't be a self-appointed teacher. Let there not be many teachers amongst you. Because those who teach are going to be accountable for what they teach. There is a stricter uh, 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 accountability for the influence they have. All teachers influence their students. Just think back over your education. Do you ever have like a really great teacher? Just a really inspirational teacher that lifted you up, that spoke life and, and pulled you forward. How many here had a great teacher in their life? You can remember. How many had a really bad one? You can remember them too, can't you? They didn't speak life. Their influence on you wasn't good. It was bad. Now, when James is talking about teaching, he's really talking about teaching within the family of God, ministers teaching. What he's teaching me is, I'm not only accountable for my life, what I say in personal conversation, but I have accountability for the influence in this place. I'm accountable for y'all, all y'all, and what I say. Because my words have influence. And am I saying just my own stuff or am I saying God's stuff? Now, that's not just true for 
teachers in the house of God, like me, your words that you say to individuals in conversation, your words that you say to the people that you live with, your words that you say in the workplace that you work, are all bringing influence. And Jesus tells us that that influence is accountable. He says every one of us, that's all of us, will give account for about 50% of our careless words. No. This is, this is a huge thought. That when we're in the judgment, when we're called before the Lord to give an account of our life, and we all will be, we are going to give account for every careless word. What is a careless word? A word that shows you care less. You could care less about somebody. So you speak to them in a derogatory way. That's because you care less. When God fills your heart, you care more. When darkness fills your heart, you care less. So you say words that don't give care, don't give kindness, don't lift up. Some of you have walked away from a conversation and you know what it's like to be verbally beat down. Because words have influence. So beware of your careless words. In fact, the best words to speak are words that are full of care, full of kindness, full of love. He goes on to say, by your words you will be justified. How many would like to know how you can be justified by your words? Four people. We'll go on then. How many would like to know the words that justify you? Let me, I'll just give them to you. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Those words justify you. Those words let Jesus go into your book of words and rip some pages out. That's good. Blots, get the blotter out and go, okay. Those words just you can't justify yourself. You need to be justified by the justifier, and Jesus is the divine justifier. So maybe we should pray that prayer just while we're in the midst of this, and let's say it out loud together. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Those words justify us. You can also be condemned by your words. All those careless words. All those words that don't bring blessing but bring cursing. All those words that pull people down, keep people away from God. He says all of us, teachers included in a special way, but all of us have accountability for our words because your words have influence. If you're a parent, you have great influence over your children. If you're a grandparent, great influence. Some of you can remember things that were said to you in your childhood that, that shaped you positively or scarred you negatively because words have influence. He tells us that our words are a good indicator to all of us that we need God. Here's how it works. Watch how this verse rolls out. Uh, all of us stumble in many ways. Could I get an amen in the house? This is the perfect church for people who aren't. Because here's what, here, when we do, if we could take your 50 pages from yesterday or your 50 pages from Friday or your 50 pages from Wednesday, if we looked at all of your words, if we didn't find one mistake, you'd be perfect. That's what he says. 
if you don't stumble in what you say, if all your words were perfect words, guess what? You would be perfect. But let's do a survey. In honest, be before God. Remember, you're in God's house. Is there anyone who's absolutely perfect, never says anything wrong? Good. Yeah, Jesus is the only one. He had good words all the time. And you know what? He's in you, and he'd like to get out of you. What? Because what's on the inside comes. Let's try that again. That's very important to the lesson. What's on the inside, or I could say it like this, who's on the inside comes out. That's what this whole lesson, what's, what's flowing out of you, what's coming out of you. If you say you're perfect, you're not. So what, is this, what does this mean? This means that we need God's help. When we do an analysis of our words, when we take inventory of our language, we go, help. James says in verse 8 that no human being can tame the tongue. It's not done by self-discipline. I'm just going to be very, very careful. What you need is to come to a place, a prayer today, a prayer every day that says, God, I need your help to tame my tongue. I need you to help watch my words because I would like who's on the inside to come out in the right way. Nobody without the help of God. So what does this bring us to? It comes to a place of, I need God to help me. I need to pray that prayer we just prayed a moment ago. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I need him to come to all of the volumes that have been published in my life. And quite frankly, I need some pages ripped out because I'm not perfect. So I need to come to the one who is perfect and say, help me, God, be my Savior, be my Lord. Remember who wrote these words, James. And James stumbled many times. Just imagine Jesus was doing his ministry. He was healing the sick. He was opening blind eyes. He was walking on water. He was healing leprosy. And people would come to James, who grew up with Jesus in Nazareth, in in the home, and they would say, James, are you a follower of Jesus? And he would say, no way. I'm not, he's a good brother, but he's no Messiah. He's, he, he's wonderful. I can't remember anything he ever did wrong to me, but he's not the Christ. It wasn't until he encountered Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection that he said he is Messiah. He is Christ. I need to be a follower of Jesus. And when he de- made that decision, All of his careless words were covered over by what Jesus did on the cross. And that's why we need Jesus to do a work in our hearts. Because when we come to Jesus, he blots out all the careless words. And we're accountable for them, but he already paid for them. So the the grace of God has you covered. Oh, let's just, come on, let's let's put our hands together. Because I need that. I need that. Because I told you in the, when we started this series, one of my big problems is I speak first and think later. And I'm trying to get better at it, but I'm not close. I'm like Peter, the apostle. That's why he's one of my favorites. He, he's, he engaged his mouth before he engaged his mind. 
So this is, I'm preaching to myself. This is something I need the Holy Spirit to work on in my life. I need to say, God, I need your help. I don't want to have a lot of careless words. I'd like my words to be filled with care, with love, with life. I'd like to lift up Jesus and everything else falls away. So my words, my language is an indicator that I need God's help. I need to begin again. And if you need to begin again, you're in the right place at the right time. Today is the day you can begin again to let God be on the inside because what's on the inside comes out. So our words set a direction in our lives. Just like the story of creation in the Genesis, God's word, his spoken word, formed the world and set things in order. So our words are part of shaping our world. And he uses two illustrations to say, to say, here is the power that your language has. Here's the power of your words. Here's the power of the way your tongue wags. He says, illustration number one comes out of the world of the equestrian, out of the world of horses. And he says, you know, the horse is such a big, powerful animal, but it is given direction by the bit in the mouth of the horse. How many of you have ever ridden a horse? Not at Walmart. Put your hand down. Those Walmart horses don't count. But like a real live horse. We, we used to ride, growing up, we used to go horse riding. We didn't have friends that had horses or we didn't know any. So we would go to a ranch. I can't remember the name of the ranch, but I remember clearly, I can see in my mind's eye going down this country road, and here were the words that were on the side of the barn. You could read them from miles away. Ride at your own risk. So we, we used to just call it Ride at Your Own Risk Ranch. Because those horses, they were stubborn. They were not well-trained horses. So we needed the bit. And if they didn't buck us off, we could get them going in the direction we needed them to go at Ride at Your Own Risk Ranch. They, they can take a, a stallion, a mighty, powerful horse, two, 3,000 pounds, and put a 95-pound jockey on the back of a stallion, and with a very light bit, that's what they use in racing, that jockey gives direction to the horse. And here's what James is teaching us, that when we say words, they're moving us. Get this. When we say words, they're taking us somewhere. When we say words, they can move us to the left or to the right. Words can lift us up, and words can take us down. Your words are setting a direction in your life. Illustration number one, a horse's bit. Illustration number two, from the world of shipping. He says, think about the rudder that's on the back of a boat. It's relatively small compared to the rest of the boat. But it's that rudder that does what? It sets the direction of the ship in particularly, he says here, watch this, in particularly when it is driven by strong winds. What's that? That's when you're in the midst of a storm. When you're, let me ask you this question. When you're in the midst of a tough time, 
Maybe you're here today and your life is in a storm. The winds are howling. The water is coming into your boat. What, what words do you use? Are they words of complaint? Oh, I can't believe how bad it is. It's like the manure truck just backed up to my house and dumped all over me. Because it's pretty bad. It's pretty hard. What's he saying? He's saying in the midst of your storm, the words you use with God's help will set a direction for you in the midst of the storm. We were on, when we were in the Holy Land, on the Sea of Galilee, uh, a big storm came up and Tommy had to get out and walk on the water. No, that, that didn't happen. That's my son-in-law, that didn't happen for sure. <laughs> it, was, it was calm, 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 calm. But remember the last time I was here and I talked about Jesus being in your boat and being bigger than your storm? That's true. Because he had already given directions. Hey, we're going to make it to the other. We're just, Jesus spoke words. What were his words? We're going to the other side of the lake. Those were Jesus' words. And that rudder was going to take him all the way to the other side of the lake. Now, the disciples had all kinds of other words. Oh, my Lord, we are going to die. Remember those words? Words of fear, words of frustration. They were afraid. They were seized by fear. They woke Jesus up and said, don't you care for us? We are going to die, and you're sleeping through it. And Jesus gets up, and he speaks words of faith. Peace be still. And then he turns to the disciples and said, where's your faith? So let me just ask you, when you're in the midst of a storm, which you possibly are right now, because here is the series of life. Either you're in a storm right now, or you've just got out of a storm, or you're heading into another one. Why? Because storms make us grow. They stretch us. They stretch us. So when you're in the midst of the storm, what direction, what, what words are you choosing to use? Are they words of peace, be still? Are they words of we're going to the other side? It's been amazing over these last few weeks to watch a very dear friend of mine who is a pastor over pastors in this region of the world in Peninsula, Florida. We call him a district superintendent, Terry Rayburn. His wife, was taken to heaven through a battle with cancer. And to watch him in the midst of that storm has been inspirational. To watch the words he has chosen to use in private conversation or in public services or his writing on Facebook. I've watched him do this. He has set a direction for his life through the storm. It's not words of complaint. He's mourning absolutely. He's grieving absolutely. But in the midst of his mourning, in the midst of his grief, he is speaking words of faith. What is he doing? He is setting a direction through the storm. I watched Elwin when he was in the hospital fighting cancer, setting a direction through the storm of cancer so he could be with us here today. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Come on. Somebody just give praise to the Lord. Hallelujah. 
Your words are setting a direction for you. And I hope it's a good direction because your, your words have the possibility to bring incredible destruction. Words can burn down a marriage. Words can destroy a business. Words can destroy a nation. Words can destroy a church. The Bible says through James, they're like fire. And he says, just a small, tiny fire can burn down a forest. Just a little word of gossip that begins can spread like wildfire and decimate someone's character. A little spark, a little fire, even if it's small, can burn down a forest. And if you've watched the, the, the forest fires in California or if you followed recently the fires in Australia, began with a little fire that got out of control. In 1871, on October the 8th, 1871, in O'Leary's barn in the, in the farmland, there was a little fire that they were just having there that got out of control in the barn. It caused what's called the Great Chicago Fire. By the end of that fire, 300 people had died. 100,000 people were homeless. Over 17,000 properties were destroyed. And in today's dollar, $17 billion of damage was done by a little fire in O'Leary's barn that got out of control. Your words, your words can separate people from God. Your words can, can, can bring encouragement, or how many know your words can bring discouragement? He just says, be so aware that your words... Some of you know what I'm talking about because you've been, you've been burned in a conversation. You ever walk away from somebody talking to you and you go, man, I can just feel the singes. Let me just tell you, when you get into one of those conversations, don't fight fire with fire. He says, see where the source, see, see where the source of this fire is? You see the last line there? <laughs> it's words that are set on fire by hell. Just know where they're coming from. Words that separate people from God. Words that bring people down. Words that, 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 that cause them to doubt God's love for them. Those words come from hell. There are words today that are coming from heaven. I hope you're listening to those words. And there are words that come from hell. And I hope those words, hellacious words, are not part of your 50 pages in the last day. Or your pages of this last week. I hope your words are flowing from heaven. Let's just decide to be people that speak the language of heaven. Let's just be people that, that avoid hell words. Words of, of bitterness and anger. Words of criticism. Words that don't speak well of one another. Words that gossip. Let's just choose to be a community that doesn't do that. Four, five, six people... It's going to take more of us. It's going to take more of us. Can, can you just imagine coming into a community of faith and all that you heard when you were with us was heaven? 
heavenwards. Because the Bible says your words can and will bring blessing. That's the plan of God. That your words bring life and bring blessing. He says, now, some people are bilingual. Not in multilingual, but some, of, some people have the ability to speak words of blessing and words of cursing. They're bilingual. Or we call it speaking out of both sides of your mouth. These are the people that slap you on the back and say, hey, good to see you, awesome. And behind your back, what a jerk. He says, some people have that ability. You know what they're called? Jesus called them hypocrites. They put on a mask. And Jesus is not into hypocrisy. He's into genuineness. And so he uses an illustration. He says, I want to just point out what's on the inside comes out. A fresh spring only can give or should give fresh water. A fresh spring doesn't give fresh water one moment and salt water another moment. Because what's on the inside comes. Let's try it again. Just what I'm talking, just pretend I'm talking to you. What's on the inside comes. He says if you're, if you're an olive tree, no, if you're a fig tree, you can't bear olives. Fig trees bear figs. What's inside comes out. If you are a grapevine, you don't produce figs because what's on the inside comes. So the real question when we come to this moment is to ask, what, or rather let me ask it like this, who is on the inside? Yeah. And he's dying or he died to come out. He's on the inside. And he says, I would like you every day to come to a point of surrendering your language, your tongue, your words to the Holy Spirit. Because when you surrender your words to the Holy Spirit, Jesus said it like this, out of your bellies will flow, know this? Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. What's that about? That's about the words what flows out of your mouth? Not spit. He's not talking about spit. If you're close enough here, you could get a little bit of it. But what, what comes? What are the river? What are the rivers that come out of your mouth? It's your, your words. It's the twenty percent of your life that you're spending. Words are coming out, and he says the words that come out should come and start with me. I'm in your heart. I am the the temple. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit, and from that temple should flow rivers of living water. Notice right at the end, he says uh, you shouldn't be like a pond of salty water. And for sure, here's what he was talking about. James would be well acquainted with the, the saltiest sea on the planet, which we were at last week. It's called, some of you know it, it's called the, the Dead Sea. You know why they call it the Dead Sea? Because it's dead. There's nothing that lives. It, it is, it's, I, I went for a swim. You can't sink. You can't sink in the water. You can't. Anybody been there? You can't. You can't go down just because it's so mineral rich. 
It's so, I got some in my mouth, it's horrible. They say if it gets in your eyes, it's worse. I got pictures of, of Tommy floating on the Dead Sea. I'll sell them after the service. <laughs> Privately, because we can't show them publicly. So when we toured the, the Holy Land, we went from the north up in uh, Caesarea Philippi and Tel Dan, where the snow comes down on Mount Hermon and goes down into the mountain and it's purified as it travels through the rock and it bursts through in torrential springs. In fact, our guide, who's been guiding in the Holy Land for decades, said, th- he said, I've never seen the springs this powerful as they were on this trip. They were just gushing out of the mountain. Those fresh waters come out of the mountain. They flow down into the sea that's in the northern part of the Holy Land. It's the Sea of Galilee. And the Sea of Galilee is filled with life. Fishermen still fish in the Sea of Galilee. It's a place of life. It's a place of activity. It's a place where people receive life. And this is what the Scripture is calling us to. This is what God is calling us to, that around you would be life. It flows down through the Jordan River because living water in Jesus' day was water that moved, water that had movement to it. It's why Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River because it was living water. It was water that moved. Then it gets to the lowest point on the planet, and because it's the lowest point on the planet, it can't get anywhere else, and it just becomes dead. And he says, here's the choice. You should be a spring of fresh, living water. Your words should bring life. Your words should bring people to Jesus. Your words should proclaim the gospel of Christ. Your words should overcome darkness with the light of God's love. Your words should be filled with hope. Out of you should flow 24-7 living water. Hallelujah. That only happens when you let him who is on the inside, you surrender constantly to him. You can't do this by yourself. No human being, remember Jim, no human being can tame their tongue, but you surrender your language to the Lord and say, Lord, I want the living spirit of God that is in me to flow out through my words this week. I want to give life to people. I want to bring a word of encouragement. I want to bring the good news of God's love. I want to let people know, and I'm not going to let salty words flow out of me. I want to give life through my words. I'm going to watch my words with the power of the Holy Spirit and be the kind of person that God wants me to be, starting with who's on the inside who wants to flow out of you. With that in mind, I'm going to just invite you to close your eyes and just think about what the Lord is saying to you today. Of course, our invitation is that every single person would have Jesus living on the inside He wants to be the best friend you've ever had. He wants you to walk in close relationship with the Lord. He wants heaven to be your home through Jesus Christ. There are many people here that are walking in close relationship with Jesus Christ. Walking with him, letting him flow through you, letting the words of your life bring life to others. So let me ask this question. If you're walking in close relationship with the Lord, if things with you and Jesus are really good today, 
You know heaven is your home. You know things are right with God because of Jesus Christ as a testimony of that fact in your life. I'd just like you to stick your hand up high all over the room. How many people? Just a testimony. It's good to give testimony. It's good to see your hands. You can take them back down. Not everyone could raise them. So I want to give an opportunity for everyone in this house to have a living relationship with the living Lord Jesus. I'd like you to receive Jesus, some for the first time. Some for the first time in a long time. You need to renew that relationship because it's grown cold. Your, your, your water has become salty, and you know why. Because he who's supposed to be living on the inside, it's been a cold relationship. And today you just need to renew that relationship with Christ. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray in a moment, and I'd like to include you in that prayer. And if you would say, Scott, remember me in this moment of prayer, please. I, that's what I, I need a close. I need a closer or a beginning relationship with Jesus Christ, and you would just say, "That's me." I'm going to ask you to do two things: to put your hand up high enough for me to see it, hold it up there, raise your eyes so we make eye contact, so I don't miss anyone, because you matter to God, and you matter to us. And how I see way at the back, I see you right there. Thank you. I see you right there. Can we see? I want to just see your eyes. Yeah, I see you. God bless you. Thank you very much. Who else would just say, "Yeah, that's me"? That's the way I need. Way at the back, I see you as well. God bless you. Thank you so very much. Who else is there? Yeah, there and there and there. Thank you very much. See you guys way in the back. Just come in. Thank you. I don't want to miss anybody. Right, right up here. Thank you very much. God bless you. A, a renewed relationship or a fresh start with Jesus where God comes and wipes out all those careless words. I'm going to look across. Anyone else? Say, that's, that's the kind of, I need to be included in that kind of prayer. We're going to pray it in a moment, but that's what I need. I need a fresh start with God. I need to begin with God, or I need to begin again with God. Thank you so very much. God bless you guys. Thank you. Thank you very much. So what we're going to do to pray this prayer is we're all going to stand together. Please do that with me. And our prayer team is going to come immediately to the altar and stand here with me as all of us, all of us pray a prayer of faith, a community prayer of faith, dedicating our lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you to, with a good, strong voice, with all of those around you, to lift your voice and to pray like this. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I repent of my sins, and I leave them behind, and I turn towards you, Lord, to receive your forgiveness, your love, your grace, your mercy. Thank you for loving me and never giving up on me. Now help me to follow Jesus every day of my life. To the glory of God, we pray. Hallelujah, 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 amen. Yes, that's a, a wonderful prayer. A wonderful prayer. And now our prayer team is here. And whatever the Lord has for you, whatever the Lord is saying to you, listen to what he would say. We're here to pray with you for that. If you're making a commitment to Christ or recommitting to your life to Christ, it's essential that you would just step up here and tell one of our prayer teams, say, I prayed with Scott. If we can get you an electronic book, we'll do that. You can, you can just text in the word yes. If you're saying yes to God, you can just text in the word yes to 941-260-1321, and we'll send you an electronic book. We just want to see your faith grow. We're not asking you to join this church. It's a good one. We're asking you to start a relationship. We're not asking you to start a new religion. We're asking you to start a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so it's so important that we would seal that in prayer with you today. And whatever else you need, 
physical, spiritual, emotional. We're praying that as our prayer team ministers, the gifts of the Holy Spirit will be here. Lives will be changed. Prayer unlocks the kingdom of God in your life, and we'd like to see that happen. Now, if you've been a guest with us today, thank you so much for coming. We believe that God has begun a good work in you, and we're going to pray that it is completed. And if you've been new to the fellowship, you've been coming for a while, or maybe it's your first time, and you've never stopped by our VIP room, please do that today. It's back on the left-hand side. You are a VIP if you're a guest, and we'd like to greet you. We'd like to meet you. We'd like to gift you and just say thank you for being a part of what God is doing here at Hope. Now, I'm going to pray a blessing. Then the worship team is going to begin to lead us. You can come forward for prayer. If you'd like to receive Holy Communion today, you're welcome. You don't have to be a member of this church, just a friend and a follower of Jesus to receive Holy Communion. There's communion at the left-hand side and at the right-hand side. You don't have to be a member of this church to receive prayer. Just You need, need something from the Lord. That's what we're here for. And the Spirit of God is here to do His wonderful work amongst us. And so we just want to say yes. So I want to bless you. And then come forward for prayer. The worship team will lead us. So we just pray for God's blessing to be in your life. We pray that the words of your mouth and the meditations of your heart would be pleasing to the Lord. We pray that your 50 pages would be filled with life, with joy, with peace, with patience, with goodness and kindness and faithfulness and gentleness, with self-control. We pray that the God of hope would fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust in God so that you would overflow with a wonderful spirit of hope by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. We bless you in Jesus' name. And in Jesus' name, you are very blessed. And all of God's kids say together, amen. Give the Lord just a praise, a thanksgiving. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful always to be with you and see you. Please come forward for prayer. Please come forward for communion. Our worship team leads us.